0: Hi, uh, my name is Dustin Deal, and I'm the director of strategy at Y4. Uh, and today I'll be uh, teaching the group about brand survival, um, wrapping up 2020 and making sure 2021 is strong. Um, Talking about brand survival, um, kind of wrapping up 2020, Uh, I know there's not very many days left, but there's still a lot to be thinking about making sure that 2021 is set up for success. So uh, excited to dive in. My background as uh, was introduced, um, content strategy is kind of my bread and butter, um, but figuring out how that really plays into all marketing channels, both digital, traditional, uh, making sure that we know who we're speaking to and that we have the right message at the right time. And and that will definitely be a theme through, through today's presentation. Uh, so that's me I'm wearing the same shirt for brand consistency. Um, as you can see, my my COVID hair is a little bit longer than when that photo was taken. Um, but yeah, again, background uh, content strategy. Been been doing this for about 12 years now. Um, worked at a couple agencies here locally, um, and like many of you, you know, have also done some freelance work. So I understand uh, that life as well. So luckily today you'll be uh, learning things that can be applied to both agency life to in-house marketing teams and also to yourself personally um, as entrepreneurs as well. So 2020, um, no surprise, has been a little bit of a mess for a lot of us, um, both professionally, um, certainly personally has been tough. Um, But when thinking through how we're talking to our clients and how we're thinking about our own planning and strategy as business owners, um, it's been a little bit tough um, trying to figure out where to invest, uh, if you should invest, where you should be focusing your efforts. So it, we know that it's been tough. It's been tough for our clients. So we've really figured out a way to have this conversation uh, and kind of take some of the emotion out, right? At the end of the day, we're all humans. Uh, we all have uh, needs and we all need to make sure that we're emotionally connected and we're doing okay emotionally. But from a business perspective, it's nice to look at these things a little bit objectively. Uh, and hopefully today you'll see you know, we have some data and some stats uh, and hopefully some really Key takeaways and tools and tactics that you can take into your own business with yourself uh, or with your clients. So the big question has been: you know, how do we survive this? Uh, For me personally, as you uh, might be able to see behind me, um, it's been a lot of wine and a lot of Star Wars, um, particularly the Mandalorian show on Disney Plus. Uh, That's how I've been surviving. I'm sure you all have your own. A unique ways of staying sane during this time and if we have time at the end maybe you guys can chime in i'm always looking for recommendations on how to stay sane um, but from a brand perspective we've been hearing we heard a lot especially earlier this year um, there was kind of this knee-jerk reaction uh, especially with everything going on with the pandemic and how that was affecting the economy and businesses there was this knee-jerk reaction to kind of you know slash and burn like let's just like cut budgets across the board uh, maybe we need to you know cut jobs Uh, And unfortunately, you know, in some instances, those things were necessities, but the way that we were trying to talk about things with our clients and continue to do going into 2021 is that's not really the approach that we wanna take. Um, Anytime you kind of have that knee-jerk reaction, it's important to take a step back, uh, take a breath, look at things a little bit objectively uh, and see where you can go from there. So one thing to know and to keep in mind and kind of give give us a little bit of perspective is to know, you know, we've been here before. the economy has been here before. Um, businesses have been here before. Um, as you can see here, you know we've gone through recessions before and it's had an impact for sure and we're not downplaying that by any means. Uh, and certainly with, with COVID in particular, we're still kind of in the thick of it. Um, we have a light at the end of the tunnel, hopefully, with uh, the great vaccine news that's been coming out recently, um, but it definitely has had an impact. Um, but as we, you can see, you know we've bounced back before. We have no doubt that that will happen again. Uh, And as I said, it's important to respond and not necessarily react. Reaction typically happens, um, it's emotion-based, but if we take a step back and really think about how we wanna respond to something, it gives us a little bit more objectivity and clarity. So for us, we wanted to do a little bit of research. Um, One thing at Y4 that we talk a lot about is we like to measure, we like to look at insights, we like to look at data. So we wanted to take a look at some research that had already been done particularly around recession and marketing within recessions to see what can we learn from past recessions, what can we learn from things that have happened before so we can take those learnings and apply them to what we're dealing with today. So looked at some research projects, um, one in particular that studied about 600 brands uh, over 22 different industries and the findings were pretty interesting and it's gonna definitely give us an insight into what we wanna talk about today. But what we found is those that maintained or increased their marketing during these kind of rough times actually ended up seeing a 250% increase uh, over brands that chose to pull back over that same period. So while it might seem tough and scary to invest or to, in some cases, overinvest during this time, there's a lot of opportunity here too. Uh, and as we can see here, the numbers reflect that. So one of the things that we also like to take a look at is you know, what does that investment give us the ability to do? It's one thing to make a claim and to say, okay, we're gonna be investing in marketing during this time, despite maybe some of our fears and concerns, but what ultimately do we hope to get out of it? So the three things that we see and that we think are gonna be the biggest um, that we've been talking to our clients about, again, particularly going into next year, is it gives us the opportunity to solidify our customer base um, They're going to be our customers one way or the other. Either they have been our customers, they're going to be our customers in the future, or they're sticking with us during these tough times. So it gives us the opportunity to take that foundation and really kind of double down on it and make sure that they know we're still there. We're still there for them, whether it's services or product offerings. uh, We don't want to go away. We still want to be able to meet their needs. The other thing too, is it takes attention away from maybe the competitors that aren't investing. So a lot of brands see this as an opportunity to, Uh, potentially overtake maybe some of the competitors that they were trailing a little bit behind. Um, We certainly see this a lot in paid media. Um, That particular channel, if people are pulling back their spend, it gives us the opportunity to kind of overtake them. SEO is another great channel too, that we can kind of continue to invest in, creating that content that people are gonna find useful and usable and start moving up the rankings for our particular primary keywords. Uh, And then lastly, as the the data told us, it gives us the ability that once things kind of level out and once we're kind of back on track, we have that foundation. We've kept the engine going. Um, I know we don't live in a cold weather state here, but I have some friends that do. And that whole concept of if you let your engine sit too long uh, and and freeze over, it's going to be really tough to get it started. I guess the example here could be, um, I haven't driven my car during the pandemic in like a couple of months and I tried to start it the other day and uh, had to get a new battery. So definitely don't want to do that. We want to keep things going, we want to keep the engine going. And it gives us that ability to, you know, once things open back up and once we feel comfortable thinking more clearly about the investment opportunities that present themselves, um, we're starting from a good place. So there's also this misconception. And obviously, when we talk to clients and surely as you're thinking as a business owner yourself, You know, money is is, is king. You know, the economy is based on cash, but we like to reframe the conversation a little bit and think of it more in terms of attention. So it's one thing, yes, you know, revenue ultimately is important, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But for us, we really want to be thinking in terms of making sure that we have that attention, making sure that we're keeping that conversation going, and that we don't fall off the radar of the people that are going to be important to us into our business. So because of that, we like to use this phrase that humans do not evolve. And we don't mean that in terms of like people don't change, but we do mean that in terms of like what it means to hold our attention as humans. That concept hasn't really changed a lot. And it's important to remember that even when things are bad or times are tough, what it means to hold our attention stays relatively consistent. And for us, we've really recognized that that's gonna be connection. So what holds people's attention is connection to people, places, and things. And as you're thinking about your own business planning, you want that attention to be on on you, on the offerings that you have, on the services that you provide, uh, and meeting your clients' and customers' needs in a way that also aligns with your brand. So ultimately, you know, that's a (laughs) a lot of words to say relationships. So that's one thing that's really important to us at Y4. It's important to me, Uh, And it's important to all of us, right? And that's been tough. It's been tough to maintain relationships during this time. I mean, we're having this webinar over Zoom um, due to necessity. Uh, Ultimately, it would be great to be in a room with all of you and see your faces and be able to respond to the audience and make it more interactive, but we do what we can with what's given to us. And for us maintaining these relationships, both personally and as an agency or as a partner with your clients, um, or as a business owner is really, really critical for us. And it's one thing that we've kind of baked into the core of our business. And that's one thing that's proved successful for us. And the way that we get to that, and the way that we define that, is this concept that we call the three V's, but it's value, values, and valued. Um, and while that might sound repetitive, um, we do have the kind of distinct meanings behind each, and it is important to think about them uh, as unique categories. So value is Pretty much what it sounds like right what are you offering that's valuable to your customers to your clients what value are you providing values is more self-reflective right what values do you have as a business owner what values do you have as an agency or uh, as even a customer and figuring out how you can align the value that you provide with the values that you hold dear to yourself personally Uh, And one thing we we talk a lot about, too, at Y4 is that this applies to your personal life, too. We all build relationships off of these three Vs. It's not just business, but it's personal relationships. You know, we want to provide value in our relationships. Uh, We all hold values dear. Um, Certainly this year, more than probably most people have really kind of put a stake in the ground on the things that are important to them and the values that are important to them. And finding people that have like-minded values and value, I think, is one uh, key to creating those successful relationships. But then the last piece is valued. And that's the, the converse, what you're giving back. So it's not just the value that you're bringing in terms of a product or a service or what you bring to the relationship, but it's how you make people feel valued. So from a business perspective, you know, how are you making your customers, your loyal customers, your fan base, how are you making them feel valued? Um, Because it's one thing to just offer a product, it's one thing to just offer a service, but at the end of the day, we all want to feel that we're being taken care of, that the people that we interact with do value us, um, but we all seek that in a different way. So truly understanding how the people that you're interacting with, how they want to be valued, is kind of the third and final critical component to make sure that we have a foundation of the value, values, and valued. So our three V's, really important to us, and important to you as you start thinking about 2021. And it's one thing that we definitely don't skimp on. Um, We'll get into more of the specifics about how we build this out for our clients, but it's one thing that we don't want to look over. Um, We can definitely always jump straight into tools and tactics and recommendations, but we feel that if we miss that kind of key component of our anatomy, which we'll get to here in a little bit, that we're really kind of cutting ourselves off from a really strong foundation, and it doesn't help us build that relationship that's really critical for ongoing success. So again, you can jump into tools and tactics and maybe have some short-term success, but it doesn't set us up for long-term value. So why we are all here today is, so how do we survive this? So again, I know 2020 is almost over, um, but you're probably having conversations either with yourself and your own business about hey, what do we do in the last couple of weeks of the year to make sure that we're setting ourselves up for success in 2021? Maybe we have some budget that we're looking to use before uh, the the end of the year, Um, but certainly 2021 planning conversations um, have been happening probably for months now, but kind of getting into the crunch here, we wanna make sure that we know what we're gonna be doing today that's gonna set us up for survival tomorrow. So I mentioned perspective earlier. I think it's still as important to be thinking about perspective. And for us, one thing that we like to talk to our clients about, and even when we're having our internal planning conversations, is think about things in terms of opportunities versus obstacles. Uh, Not necessarily a new concept, but one that we like to remind ourselves of to help frame that conversation and give us that right perspective. So we have this conversation with clients a lot about the three keys to success. And there's kind of three stages, and they kind of align with um, maybe the traditional a marketing funnel or business funnel, but we think about it in terms of, we can't define it. So we meet, we meet with clients all the time, and we start to identify their problems. And maybe one of their pain points is like, well, they want to be successful, but they don't know how quite to define it. They don't have the words, they're not able to articulate what success means for them. So that's an area where we can help. Uh, maybe they do know how to define it, but then they can't plan for it, or they don't have the plan in place. They don't know quite how to connect the dots there and how to, how to get there. What, what's that plan gonna look like? What's that roadmap look like? And then finally measurement. So you can't really do one without the other here. Uh, and we like to connect the dots across each of these. And as I mentioned before, you know, measurement is really important to us. We often say, hey, if we can't measure it, we don't wanna do it. Uh, and it's important to make sure that, hey, you can define it, great. But if you don't have a plan for it, and if you can't measure it, then how are you going to get there? If you can, if you have a plan for success, that means that you can define it. But if you don't know how to measure it, then how are you going to go back, say, in a month, a quarter, six months, a year, and say, hey, were we successful? Um, we don't know. If you don't have that measurement plan in place, we, we, we won't be able to confidently say that we were successful in that plan. So we think about this, too, in terms of profit to profit. Uh, and this is kind of breaks out where you can focus your energies so a lot of people we find in a lot of agencies or partners they like to kind of stay here down at the bottom level at the what we call the zero feet uh, and that's really the, that, that very tactical you know getting into the weeds you know what are we going to be posting online what's going to be our paid media strategy what are we doing in traditional what media buys do we need it's very in the weeds and it's an important piece. But without looking at some of these other elements here, we're going to be missing the mark a little bit. So it's important for us to give ourselves breathing room and the opportunity to elevate our thinking. So we definitely want to be moving up to that 15,000 foot view, right? We want to be looking at the plan. What is this going to look like? Uh, Is it a quarterly plan? Are we doing a yearly plan? It might be a combination of both, right? We might want to look, hey, what are going to be our ultimate goals for 2021? And what are the quarterly plans that are going to get us there? But even more so than that, we want to take it even a step further and look at that 30,000-foot view. Uh, what are the ultimate goals and objectives that we want to accomplish? Um, we work with a lot of clients that may have a three-year plan or a five- or a 10-year plan. And it's important to kind of understand where the end goal is and give ourselves the opportunity to think at that 30,000-foot view. So that way we can kind of work backwards and say, all right, in order to hit that, what do we need to do at the five-year mark? What do we need to hit at the three-year mark? What do we need to do this year? and then we can start working our way down operationally and then we can finally really know that the tools and tactics at zero fee are really mapping back all the way up to the top. So a way that we connect those dots, uh, a lot of conversation for sure with clients, a lot of planning, but when it comes to the success of their businesses, whether it's service or whether it's a product, is making sure that we're connecting those dots between the brand and the consumer. And this really speaks to me in my content strategy background, because I always talk about you know, defining content strategies, the overlap between your brand and your customer. Like understanding what you are, what you offer as a brand, what's important to you, going back to those three Vs. But then also understanding like what are the goals and questions and pain points of your, of your customer, of your client? And how does that overlap then with your brand? So once you identify that overlap, that's really going to give you the tools and the tactics and the direction that you need to really influence and that's going to be your plan for content creation it's going to be your plan for marketing it's going to be your plan for any kind of communication that you have making sure that you're staying true to yourself as a brand but also making sure that you're giving your customers and consumers what they need so again as i mentioned you know, there might be that issue where we can't quite define it we don't know how to get there um, our customers are looking for things. You know, they're obviously not thinking about things in terms of marketing plans and you know, connecting with brands in that way. But unconsciously, they are looking for relationships, uh, like we talked about before. So even if they're not going out and saying like, what relationships do I want to build with brands today, uh, they are looking for alignments. They're looking for companies and partners that have shared values that are going to be offering things that do align with their goals and their questions and their pain points. So we know that there's a need. We know as brands and as entrepreneurs and as business owners that we can fulfill those needs, but we need to close that gap. Uh, And that's where marketing sits. That's that overlap that I was talking about. And that to me is where that influence element comes in. So for us, it's really important to understand, hey, once we understand what's happening over here on the brand side, once we understand and fully know what's happening on the consumer side, we can close that gap and really start influencing our customers in a way that's both beneficial to them, but beneficial to us as a brand as well. Uh, definition of influence here, I know we hear that a lot, particularly in marketing these days, and you know, we have influencer marketing and all these things, but you know, the capacity to have an effect on the behavior of someone or something, uh, that can be as simple as making a purchase. You know, We're influencing them to, them to make a purchase. Uh, we also think about this in terms of moving them through this traditional sales funnel. Um, we often spend a lot of time at kind of the awareness stage, like talking to people before we really, even know anything about them, but influencing them to take the actions that we want them to take and kind of moving them through that customer journey uh, and then beyond, right? I think also the, the downside to the traditional funnel has been the endpoint is a purchase or the endpoint is, you know, that, that CTA that we identify as, as the end-all be-all, but there's an opportunity to kind of loop them back, right? Create customer advocates, Um, help them influence others, you know, bring other people into our brand story, whether it's, you know, again, the products that we're offering or the services that we're offering. And we think about it in four different quadrants here of influence, right? We need to know how do we influence, we need to know who we're trying to influence, where do we influence, and then what? Um, So it's kind of the standard questions that, you know, any journalist would ask, but it's important for us to be thinking in terms of, Not just influence as a general high level concept, but breaking it down into these four quadrants really helps us identify elements that are going to be really important to building out that marketing strategy that is the core element of drawing that influence and closing the gap between brand and consumer. So, our process, um, we call it uh, Labs, um, and it's a process that we identify these three A's here in the middle. So, the first question is, you know, how how do we influence? And that's digging into the anatomy. Uh, as we talked about with the values, you know, the three Vs apply to both us personally, but also to brands and also to your business. So for anatomy, the same thing holds true. You know, we all have our own individual anatomy, the things that make us who we are. Um, you know, Me, clearly it's wine and Star Wars. Um, but aside from that, your, your brand does have an anatomy and you need to understand what it is, how it operates, how you talk, how you want to be perceived in the marketplace and understanding, you know, how you want to influence based on who you are as a brand, you know, based on your anatomy, but then that's not really enough. You know, you can kind of know yourself really well, but until you really know who you want to be making those connections with, it it kind of stops there. So who do we want to influence? That gets into the audience's piece. Uh, And this, you know, we use terms like personas and customer journey maps, um, I always say, I feel like sometimes they get a bad rap because people just think you're sitting in a room making up a bunch of stuff about your, your customers. But there's a lot of input that goes in here beyond just kind of the, the fictional creation of a persona. But it's understanding, you know, who have you traditionally been talking to? How has that been working? Who do you want to be talking to? You know, are there new markets that you want to be engaging with? And how do you overlay qualitative and quantitative data on top of that to really get a sense of what are their questions and how can you answer them? What are their pain points and how can you alleviate them and what are their goals and how can you help them achieve those? And understanding truly who they are, where they are when they need certain things and how that aligns to your brand anatomy, that starts to give you that idea of the operational plan that we were talking about too. And that gets into your avenues. So that's where do you influence? Um, What channels do you need to be on? What kind of content do you need to be creating? how often, you know, what's your cadence of communication? Uh, And and again, as I said, this goes to us personally, um, but also to your your brand. And it could be you as a business owner, you know, when do you need to be reaching out to your clients? Um, What are the channels and the tactics and the avenues that they're going to be engaging on that's going to get you what you need, but also provide them what they need? Uh, Consumers, you know, where are they when they're looking for certain things? Um, How does that align to their own customer journey? We also think about things in terms of keeping it simple to start. So customer journeys, I think, sometimes get really complicated. You know, People have you know, 17 different steps in a customer journey. But we always like to say, if you don't have the ability to have an avenues plan and a really clear tactical reason for breaking up your journey to that level of specificity, keep it simple. So for a lot of our clients, we keep it to three phases, like the anonymous stage. You know, You don't really know a lot about them. You're kind of building brand awareness moving them through into the prospect stage as you slowly start to get more information about them. And then finally wrapping up in the customer stage, you know, they've, they've taken the action you want them to take. Now, how you, can you continue to nurture that relationship, uh, keep them for longer, have them bring in new people, um, have them repurchase, whatever kind of that loyalty relationship looks like for you. Uh, and that will influence your avenues plan. And then lastly, what? And so we have our six Rs here. Um, and, and this is really interesting for us too, because we're able to kind of think through, and this ties really closely into our measurement. So we wanna be looking at things like, is there a recognition issue? Uh, is one of the pain points recognition that people just don't know you're out there, they don't know enough about what you offer, what, you, what products you you have? Is it a relationship issue? Um, again, that's kind of the, the theme here today is like relationships are really critical. and knowing then if that's the pain point, going back to the anatomy piece, going back to the audience's piece, giving yourself the opportunity to really dig in and figure out how to nurture those relationships. Uh, reputation, you know, pretty clear there. Is there a reputation issue in, in the space that you need to be solving for? Is it a recruitment issue? Um, are you trying to bring on the right kind of talent? Um, have you had you know, issues in the past bringing on the right kind of talent? It all maps back to the things that have been identified Um, with your anatomy audiences and avenues. If those aren't aligned, how, how can you expect yourself to be bringing on the right kind of talent and recruit the right kind of people? Retention, same thing, you know, our clients coming and going, our customers purchasing once and not coming back, thinking about ways to make sure that once they're there, they wanna keep coming back, they wanna stay. And then finally revenue, obviously, that's gonna be really key for a lot of clients, for a lot of business owners. It's critical, but what's exciting for us when we think through this process is that really doing any one of these with that core middle of those three A's is going to impact revenue. Uh, understanding and making sure that you know how to measure it and can map back to it um, is, is important too. But it's it's great to see when we do this with clients, they start to see, you know, what is that? All tides rise all ships or high tides rise all ships. So but it's, it's imp- it's cool for us to see the interconnectedness of this. So it's not like you're just doing one thing and it's only impacting that one thing. You really start to see the the synergy and the interplay of all of these things working together. So going back to the conversation of investing and investments, it's important to also understand where we want to put those dollars and where our needs are. So thinking through those six R's, making sure that we do have that strong foundation of the three A's, it can really start to guide us then in terms of investment opportunities. So to start, you know, branding and awareness, pretty straightforward there. We want to be building that recognition. It's not so much pushing a sale just yet, but it's making sure that people know that we exist. Um, Shaping markets, kind of moving again through that sales funnel, influencing those relationships, making sure that we have a good reputation. You know, once people are aware of us, we want to make sure that they're aware of us for the right reasons. Uh, Demand generation, driving revenue, bringing in leads, making sure the leads are quality. Once we have them as customers, you know, continuing to build those relationships, both through the retention and the reputation, and then finally, infrastructure. And this last one has been really important for our clients too, because you can't really do a lot of this if you don't have a clear understanding of your customer relationship. Um, we, you need to know where they're at in their own journey. You need to know what actions they've been taking. I mean, this can be something as simple as, you know, tagging your email campaigns appropriately, taking a look at how people are interacting on your website, doing conversion rate optimization, uh, looking at the tools that are available to you to see If a client or a customer is taking this action, what could that potentially mean? And then how do we want to reach out to them again next? And starting to segment those experiences really makes it clear that you're valuing them and the actions that they're taking and that you are meeting them where they are and providing them with the messaging and the marketing that's going to help them take the next step. So going along that thread of investment, obviously, we need to talk about dollars and cents and percentages and how we break that up. So what we find interesting here too, is the recommended breakdown of where we should be in in a normal situation, where we should be funneling those funds. So you can see here kind of the differences between um, the recommended B2C versus B2B, they're relatively the same, uh, just in terms of kind of overall breakout. But you can see that there's a really big focus um, in demand generation, as you might expect, uh, obviously making sure that the infrastructure is there, Surprisingly little, though, than I think we might expect at the top of Shavy markets. I think a lot of people put a lot of focus on that without a real clear plan to nurture them through the other elements here. And that, that kind of inkling turned out to be true as we started doing this exercise with our clients this past year, as we were finding that uh, a lot of people were putting a ton of, a ton into the demand generation piece. Um, they were really focused on closing the sale. They were really focused on bottom-of-funnel content. They were really focused on making sure that people, you know, gave them their credit card or signed that contract. And there wasn't a lot of great diversification in some of these other areas, Um, particularly as you can see there, the infrastructure. And this gives us then the data to go back to the client and say, how can we expect our customers or our clients to take the actions that we want them to take if we're not investing and moving them through and providing them the content that they need to feel comfortable to take that action. Uh, Infrastructure there is at 2%. If we don't have any data on how people are engaging with our email campaigns or how they're moving through our site or what content is causing them to drop off or what content is causing them to mark our emails as spam, if we don't have any of that information and we're not investing in that, There's no way that we can take any learnings from that and then apply that to these other areas to make sure that when it does come time for us to create that demand generation campaign or or create that content that's ultimately meant to close the sale, there's, there's nothing there. So it's important to make sure that there's that diversification there. So again, kind of flipping back, this is the ideal, and this is often what we're dealt with when we have an initial conversation with a client. So we're really pushing our clients to diversify making sure that they're investing in the right things. And again, this sets us up for success going into next year. Um, We'll be able to glean so much more information at each point in the journey, so that way we can continue to refine and continue to make sure that the customers and consumers are taking the actions that we want them to take. So measurement, as I mentioned too, is really critical for us. There's a lot of things that we ultimately really want to be measuring. Um, We kind of have them broken out here for us in terms of like the essential metrics versus the financial metrics. And there's a lot here and we can kind of go into each individual one. Um, that would be probably a whole, whole different webinar, but you know, there's things that we go into conversations and you know, we typically you know, pester clients all the time with, with a ton of questions. And certainly as a content strategist, um, we're always the annoying one in the room that won't stop asking the question why, um, but it's important. You know, we need to understand these things in order to paint an accurate picture, but we wanna be looking at things like brand awareness Uh, you know, cost acquisition, take rate. We want to be understanding what the profit margins are. These are all things that we eventually want to get to. But what we find is that clients are often either unable to answer these questions right off the bat, or the way that they're measuring them today isn't quite as quantitative as we might like. Um, I was talking to a client recently and working on a web project. And, you know, the question comes up, you know, how are you going to be measuring success? Or how have you been measuring the performance of the site so far? And what would it look like for you after this engagement to feel confident that this was a successful project? And it really just kind of came down to like, we just want to feel like it looks good. And it was an indication to us, like this is a great opportunity. Like we can dig in now and explain, hey, there's a lot of really cool things that we can do to actually quantify that. Um, and you know, a site that looks good obviously is important, but what does that ultimately mean? And let's dig into that a little bit deeper. So continuing to ask, ask that why question. Um, there's an exercise I like to do with clients, too, called the five whys. And you just keep asking why five times to continue to dig in. Um, we want a site that looks good. Well, why? Well, we want to be set apart in the marketplace. Well, why? Well, we're trying to steal clients from a competitor. So you just keep going down that line of thinking and be the annoying person in the room to get to the core root of what they're ultimately trying to get at. But there are some things that we really do need to measure. And this kind of helps us, especially when we have conversations around return on marketing investment. So certainly when we're talking dollars, cents, when we're talking about investment, particularly from a marketing perspective, we get the question all the time, well, how are we going to, what's the ROI going to be? How do I know that this is worth investing in? Um, We love that question, but again, we need certain data points to be able to have an accurate and a, a quality conversation around return on investment here. And there's really only three key things that we need, and then it just comes down to math. So we call them like the measurable components here. We gotta know what the goal is. So we have revenue goal here, because oftentimes our clients are looking at revenue numbers, but it could be something maybe around, around lead counts, or it could be something that's maybe a softer, uh, softer measurable around brand awareness. So identifying kind of what that goal is, is key. Looking at the average deal size. So again, thinking through dollars and cents and revenue, If we know what our ultimate revenue goal is, we know typically what our average cart size is or what our average deal size is, then it allows us then in that last piece with our conversion rate to work the math backwards. So we start to get a picture of, all right, well, at this conversion rate and at this average deal size, these are how many closed leads that we would need in order to hit that revenue goal. And just those three numbers can start to give us a clear picture about where to focus our efforts. So if we want, if we need more leads, we got to up the lead count based on that conversion rate, based on that average deal size, then in order to hit that revenue goal, maybe the focus needs to be on conversion rate. Maybe we have all the leads and the leads um, look great, but the conversion rate is really low. So what do we need to do then to up that conversion rate? Um, Maybe the lead count stays the same, we're just maybe getting leads from a different a different area. Maybe we're focusing on our benefit statements. Um, maybe we're looking at how we're packaging our offerings and, and what that messaging is. So these three, what we call, again, measurable components, it helps us build that mathematic formula to start to figure out how are we going to be measuring success? Where do we need to be focusing our efforts? Oops. So obviously the question comes up, well, how much? Um, we all have, obviously we want as much as we can get, but it's more than that, right? It's however much is needed. We, we, we tell clients all the time, like, we don't really want to take any more money than is actually going to hit your goals. You know, we're not in this to, you know, gouge you. We're not in this to, you know, take over all of your marketing spend. We really want to understand where we fit in your, your whole marketing mix. Um, you know, as we all know, a lot of, big clients in particular will work with multiple agencies. And I'm sure uh, many of you who work with um, clients or l- large or small, you're one piece of a larger whole, right? You're either working with or partnering with other agencies, you're working with in-house teams. Uh, it's not all on us. It's not all on you. So understanding then how to navigate this conversation, this question about well, how much, well, it is a good question to ask. And there is some data that can support a, a quality conversation around this. And we typically find that about 5 to 12 percent of the gross revenue goal is a good place to start. Again, this isn't all going to be us. You know, we might just be engaging with uh, you know, certain digital channels. Um, you might be engaging with a content project or with a paid media strategy. So understanding how your percentage of the budget fits into to this overall percentage sets you up for success going into those budget and investment conversations. But it's important to know, and it's a good question to ask going into new relationships, um, you know, what that overall revenue goal is, not that you're going to be held accountable to it, at least the whole amount, but understanding what the ultimate goal is, getting a sense of how they're breaking out their marketing investment, what percentage that is, and then what percentage of that you specifically as a business owner, uh, as an entrepreneur, as an agency, what percentage you're representing in that mix. So, If you're working with a client that has a a really high revenue goal you ask them what their marketing budget is and it's one percent well you know you're going to be a sliver of that one percent and this gives you some some footing to have a conversation to be like hey you know walk me through like what is it about that investment that you have planned to hit that revenue goal is there opportunity to grow that maybe they've been burned in the past they've worked with an agency uh, or worked with service providers or partners that didn't have a good return on investment. And this gets back into that you know, fear-based decision-making and that reactive uh, way of approaching these kinds of conversations that I think 2020 has uh, really affected all of us, but there's that sense of pulling back. you know. But you, you'd be hard pressed to find a client or anyone that would be pulling back on their revenue goals, um, but they get that feeling of like, I need to be pulling back on my marketing investments. Um, but they go hand in hand. If we pull too far back on marketing, we can't really expect to be hitting those revenue goals. So again, equipping you to be able to come into those conversations prepared uh, to have an effective conversation. So just as a little example here, you know, if a revenue goal was you know, $10 million, we'd be looking you know, mid of that 5 to 12% to 10% uh, in investment for marketing, that's about a million dollars. Um, what then percentage of that million dollars is going then to the services that you're offering? And that can start helping you have that return on marketing investment. When you have this conversation with clients, as you might expect, and I'm sure most of you are familiar with, there's that, again, knee-jerk reaction of, I can't afford that. You know, 10%, even 5%, 12%, wherever they net out or wherever you are kind of pushing them to think about and to go, they might be feeling, you know, I can't afford to do that. That's not going to work right now. But it gives you the chance to come to them armed with data, with with insights, and then you can kind of push back and say, well, you can't really afford not to. Um, as we've seen, you know, if you're pulling that far back, you're not addressing your revenue numbers. There's really a, a low chance that you're going to be able to hit those those goals. And this has really worked. Um, this isn't something, you know, just from pulled from a book where we think it works. We've been able to grow our business this year by having these conversations and sometimes tough conversations with clients where you know, they're pushing back on a certain budget recommendation um, or they really don't feel confident that growing their spend from last year's contract is where they want to be. But if we just sit down and have an honest and real conversation with them and let them know that, hey, if we think about these things this way and we make sure to be measuring and tracking quarter to quarter, month to month, and we know that we're going to be trending in the right direction... It eases some of those concerns and it alleviates some of those fears. I mean, we use our own 3Ds in these conversations. We use our own anatomy as an agency uh, to talk to our audiences to make sure that we are understanding their pain points, understanding their questions, uh, and making sure that we know their goals. One thing we always tell clients, and uh, oftentimes I think some of them get a little bit sick of hearing it, but uh, it's, it's something that we live by and something that we stand by, but it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, there is no silver bullet in marketing, um, especially in today's world, it's changing so, so rapidly. It is important to test. Uh, it is important to monitor and manage, um, but it is a marathon. We need a lot of data to be able to make actionable decisions. We need a lot of honest and real conversations with our clients. And thinking that that can happen in a week, uh, even just you know a quarter, we, we want to have these long-term relationships with our clients because we start to build up those relationships. So, you know, going back to what we talked about earlier, those relationships are so key and so important to us um, because it allows us to have a history with them. It gives us a chance to have and tell a story with the client. Uh, It leads to great case studies on the tactical side, but it also just leads to great ongoing relationships that we have with a lot of our clients and that we wanna continue, again, wrapping up 2020 and moving into 2021. So some key takeaways and some action items and some recommendations that we have in order to facilitate some of these conversations. Uh, One thing that I like to use, uh, we call SOAR. Uh, It sounds awful to say if you're not seeing it written, Because you might think like S O R E, but it's more like flying, like S O A R. And the way that we like to break that out and the way that we like to use this as a structural uh, implementation tool to have these conversations is just, you know, what's the situation today? What's going on? Uh, What's working? What's not working? You know, what's the pain point? What questions do you have? What are your goals? Moving that then into the obstacles. So you kind of understand what the situation is like today. Uh, What's standing in your way? What's preventing you from being able to accomplish those things? What activities are you currently doing to try to hit those goals and to overcome those obstacles? What maybe have you tried that didn't work? Uh, And this kind of starts to give you an idea about maybe where your plan can fit in. And then ultimately, like what are the results that you wanna be seeing? You know, what are you seeing today that's not satisfactory and how do you wanna be potentially changing those? And you don't even necessarily need to, you know, have this conversation so structured and, you know, call up your client or schedule a new business development meeting and say, we're going to walk you through a a SOAR conversation. Um, But just kind of thinking about this in terms of these steps and these elements has really helped facilitate really quality conversations for our clients this year. Uh, Additionally, some questions that I really like to ask that can help facilitate this and help build that relationship and to set you up to have these brand survival conversations. Um, How are you measuring success? It might seem like obviously a really uh, basic question, but I think you'd be surprised, and you probably have been in your own work, um, either how difficult it is for clients to articulate, um, or you might find multiple stakeholders within an organization have different interpretations of what success looks like. Um, but even digging beyond that, making them articulate what a successful relationship looks like between you and them. I always like to ask, hey, if we become partners, if we decide to work together three months from now, six months, you know, a year from now, what will you need to see out of this relationship? Looking back at when we're having this conversation, when you sign that contract um, for customers, when you make that purchase, Uh, what do you need to see to make you feel confident that this was the right decision for you, that this was a good relationship to invest in? It's really interesting. I think you catch people off guard um, and they sometimes have to think about it, but the insights that you get from asking that question is really critical because it sets you up for success going into those relationships, knowing what they're gonna be looking for down the road. Uh, Obviously what's worked for you in the past, what hasn't that can prevent you from making similar mistakes. We certainly don't ever want to jump into a new client relationship making uh, similar mistakes as a, maybe a previous agency or a previous partner. And we also want to make sure that we can double down on the things that are working. You know, we don't want to move away from tactics and tools that are really working for them, whether it's from a metric standpoint, um, whether it's from a marketing standpoint, wherever, wherever it sits, we want to make sure that we're continuing to double down on the things that are working for them. And then lastly, that measurement and tracking, you know, what are they using today Um, maybe that's an opportunity for you to help, you know, again, thinking back on that investment breakdown, maybe they really need to be investing in that, that last piece, that infrastructure piece. Um, Maybe they need to be, maybe they need some consultation and some help on segmenting their CRM. Um, Maybe they need some help uh, working through some of those more quantitative ways of measuring. So not only do they have a clear picture about how their business is performing, but then you understand what you need to be doing to make sure that you're performing for them. So that's kind of the basics of the conversation that I think really helps facilitate that brand survival planning. Uh, Beyond that, as you continue to build that relationship with those clients, having deeper conversations around that profit-to-profit, understanding where they're at and where they want to be at from that 30,000-foot view, what that means then operationally for the 15,000-foot view, and how that impacts what we're doing tactically at the zero, great kind of way to continue to further that conversation. The success planning, you know, can we define it? Uh, What are we doing to plan for it and how are we measuring it? Again, a great tool that we use to facilitate these kinds of conversations. And then for us, what we really like doing with clients is is talking through those three Vs, you know, really understanding even at the early stages of of business development, if we're at the proposal stage or just looking to see if this is a client that would be a good fit both for them and for us. Uh, thinking about those three Vs has been really critical in our success with our clients. And then really understanding the core of their three A's, the anatomy, the audience, and the avenues, and how that impacts one or a multitude of those six R's uh, that we talked about earlier. Um, And sometimes it goes the other way, right? Oftentimes we can identify what the pain point is in those six R's and how that can impact some of the things that we would be doing for them with those core three A's. So a lot of different tools, a lot of different ways to structure it. Certainly, you don't have to use this kind of nomenclature. Uh, this is often how we just kind of brand it internally. Um, but this is an important, I think, step and an important way to kind of craft your conversations when having a brand survival conversation, because it does come down to fear. Uh, there is kind of that concern around, you know, pulling the trigger, putting more marketing dollars, um into their their marketing efforts at the end of the year going into 2021 but if you can let them know give them some perspective have some objectivity about it bring these numbers and facilitate a conversation in a way that feels really structured you're going to really be seen i think as an important piece of their marketing going forward and it's just going to help you benefit and help you build that relationship that we talked about before too so that's that's our that's our recommendations for uh grand survival in the last couple of weeks of this year and then going into next year.